up next on NHL Fantasy on Ice. Cherry picking and dumpster diving for the best fantasy waiver wire pickups of the week. Updated top 200 rankings, goalies returning from injury, and daily fantasy locks. NHL Fantasy on Ice starts now. Welcome aboard, Pete Jensen and Rob Reese here on this Friday morning talking fantasy hockey with you. And Rob, to get this thing started off, I think we can both agree we have goalies on our mind entering the weekend. The goalie landscape this season has been somewhat of a nightmare for many fantasy hockey owners. Jonathan Quick, good news, however, returned to the lineup for the Kings on Thursday against the Oilers. He did not yet receive his first win of the season, but made some big saves, had 25 out of 26 shots faced, stopped at even strength. So some encouraging signs there for maybe a little resurgent spot. Yeah, he gives them a chance moving forward uh, to compete on a nightly basis. So that's great to see. For the fantasy standpoint of things, Jonathan Quick re-entered our top 20 goalie rankings based on his elite career pedigree. We're not writing him off just yet. A couple other guys to keep an eye on heading into the weekend. Big potential injury returns. Ben Bishop for the Dallas Stars, who you were talking about on the network yesterday, how good he was prior to the injury and what he could bring to a fringe playoff team moving forward, and also Roberto Luongo. Even the fact that he's missed the past five games, he's still ranked as the seventh goaltender in fantasy hockey. So when he's in the lineup, when he's accumulating wins and starts, he is going to be a top five goalie. And I was saying on the network that you have to look at him as a trade target, even though he has an injury history. This is a guy that owners are probably a little bit skeptical of, but I say forget the injuries get Ben Bishop in your fantasy hockey lineup. And it's amazing how things change because I remember when he got injured, I think you have him on one of your teams and you were a little frustrated noticeably. You were like, I draft this guy every year. You know that the injuries are coming. This goes back to his time with Tampa Bay uh, where he just can't stay healthy from the playoffs to the regular season. But now a week, week and a half changes your tune on Ben Bishop just because you remember the efficiency of this guy and what he brings within the grand scheme of things at the goalie position a very inconsistent position yeah in fantasy and my personal bias too I'm really excited to see him back in the lineup I'm excited to put him in my starting lineup and it's a similar situation to Roberto Luongo for the Florida Panthers who is also due back soon and when you look at Luongo people are dropping him like crazy uh, in Yahoo, to me, I don't understand why. If you look back to last season, he finished really strong, 12 wins in his final 20 games, playing close to a 935 save percentage. That is going to make a difference for you because that's championship season. And another guy off that similar trend that we're both keeping a keen eye on is Antti Ranta. He's out of the lineup again. Similar trend to last season where he was in and out, injured here, healthy there, not quite himself, but he really powered many fantasy teams down the stretch of the season. And like Luongo, he was 16-6-4 and in his final 27 games with a 942 save percentage and three shutouts. He won me one of my fantasy leagues almost single-handedly last season. And we're both saying, keep the faith with this guy. Coyotes have already started to turn things around a little bit. They've won two in a row since the Schmaltz trade. I think from a fantasy lens, trading for any one of the goalies we just mentioned, maybe with the exception of Quick, if you're not a believer that the LA Kings are going to come out of that hole, but the three, Ben Bishop, Antti Ranta, and Roberto Luongo, if you had those three goalies in your lineup, you, I can say this with confidence, would make the playoffs, even if you're faltering right now. I know I had a colleague in the office yesterday. She DM'd me on this messaging service, and she's like, hey, 
I, my goalies need help right now. I'm like, don't worry. Get one of these three guys that's currently injured. It's coming back soon. Throw a couple of trades out there and see what happens. And Ranta is one of the – we got a fan question to get to later regarding Ranta. He's one of the most dropped players in all of Yahoo right now. Frankly, I don't understand it. Be patient with these guys. And all four of these guys that we mentioned are in our top 20 goalie rankings uh, moving forward for the rest of the season. And again, all of our rankings on NHL.com are for the rest of the season. So we're not just listing players in order of their current Yahoo rank and how they've been performing. We're taking other trends into account, past production, and projecting future potential for these guys. So we'll get to more goalie talk later in the show when we break down the slate. But for now, let's welcome in our special phone guest, Nick Alberga, who is currently the host of NHL Network Radio at SiriusXM, and he also writes for Sportsnet's fantasy hockey coverage. Nick, thank you so much for joining us. We can finally return the favor here. Boys, I'm so fired up to be with you and to take your virginity being your first phone guest here on the program. I'm beyond happy to join you guys. Always great. So let's kick this off here with... MVP talk. We're almost at the start of December. It's Saturday, December 1st uh, tomorrow. So who is your fantasy hockey MVP to this point in the season? We know that Ovechkin and Connor McDavid have delivered as expected, but give me another name that stands out to you at this point. Can it be two-pronged? Can I go McKinnon and Rantanen? No, I'm kidding. I'm going to go with Miko Rantanen, and it's, it's sort of amazing. I'm sort of kicking myself uh, all off-season long in one of my keeper leagues. I I was still on the fence about acquiring Mikko Rantanen. I just wasn't sure if he could duplicate what he did last year. Well, he's going above and beyond that. I, I think right now he has to be uh, my MVP in fantasy hockey, more so of where he was probably going in most drafts, and I would say like 50 to 70 is probably the, the proper range in most standard Yahoo leagues. I think the way he, he's come to play this season, and I get Colorado's a one-line hockey team, but you can't overlook the numbers. 10 goals, 32 assists, 42 points, plus 16 uh, if you have penalty minutes, he's got 18 of those, 12 power play points. He's a stat stuffer. There's no other way to put it. And, again, considering where he was drafted, he's probably on my short list of MVP candidates right now in fantasy hockey. He's been unreal, uh, whether it's been at home. He's also been he's taken it a big step further on the road. He's driven a lot of the possession. A lot of most of McKinnon's, if not all, have of his goals have been assisted by Miko Rantanen, which is amazing. Uh, I agree with you, Nick. I think coming into the year, I was really worried about his high shooting percentage. I was worried about his stability as a standalone asset, not just like say if you were targeting Miko Rantanen just outside the top 50 heading into a draft. I was worried about taking him, but I was wrong about him. A lot of people were about Miko. I mean, where's the love though for Gabriel Landeskog, who's it's the top four players in fantasy hockey. Mack is one, Rantanen is three, Landeskog is four, and he's getting so much elite coverage. He's hitting too. I know that Yahoo implemented that scoring change. So Landeskog is right there with these guys. And if Mack keeps going like this, if Rantanen keeps going like this, it's only going to trickle down to Landeskog. Yeah, it's fair to bring that up too, Rob, because I think when you look at that trio, nobody gives Landeskog the respect he deserves. Considering what it was like a year ago, we were talking about how tumultuous times were in Colorado, Matthew Shane gets traded, and that was the, the forecast of many things to come. And you have to credit the captain, Gabe Landeskog. Uh, clearly, he was under a lot of scrutiny. And, um, you know, Jared Bednar doesn't get enough credit for the job he's done. Um, the way he was brought in unceremoniously late in the offseason in the first year when Patrick Waugh just basically said, you know what, I'm tired of this. You're not getting Radulov. I'm finished. Um, I, I think Landeskog deserves all the credit in the world, the way he's really come to play offensively. And he's a really good defensive player, too, which people forget, especially in the fantasy hockey world. So uh, good on you to, to bring up Landeskog's name, because I think 
Um, rightfully so, too. Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon constantly get the praise, but you, you can't forget the uh, third triplet on that line. And maybe we start looking at Landeskog differently if he keeps this up the rest of the season. He's entering that conversation in terms of the hits and scoring coverage that maybe at the left wing position is only limited to Alex Ovechkin and Jamie Benn on a season-to-season basis. But I think that Landeskog kind of fits that profile moving forward. So for the addition of... Miko Rantanen into our top 10 overall rankings this week. Two other guys that joined that list, Patrick Laine, who's been on a goal-scoring binge, and also Austin Matthews, who comes back. And Nick, we wanted to touch on this with you because there's still this looming William Nylander situation. What's your pulse on Nylander? Obviously, I believe you like Matthews for the rest of the season as one of the best fantasy assets in the game. Yeah, I have no pulse, uh, to be quite honest. I think uh, I'm with most people in the media and fans right now. I just want the situation to end. I don't care how it ends. Um, I think it would be the worst move in the world, by the way, for the Leafs to trade this guy. I think ultimately that will happen more likely in the offseason. Uh, it's your perfect case of asset management. It would not make sense just to trade this guy for the hell of it right now until I think Toronto gets the proper value or what they deem could put them over the top. You don't trade a guy of the ilk of Willem Nylander, considering you know, his past and how much chemistry he's built with Austin Matthews. Now, I know Kasperi Kapanen's looked magnificent, also in a contract year on that line, but you, know, you can't look past what Nylander can bring to the table. So I think in a perfect world, um, you know, Toronto will get this done on their terms, but if they have to go on Nylander's terms, I think eventually that could be the, the last ticket and, and they'll get the job done and more so down the road explore because I think we forget they, they have the cap room to do this this year at his terms. So certainly something to monitor as we get closer and closer here to the deadline. I mean, from a fantasy lens, Nick, like I've been telling people the whole season, you have to hold this player. He's too elite. And now with Matthews looking like if he can stay in the lineup, his production is going to be the highest of his career points per game wise. Nylander also has a similar situation if he does sign to come in and be a fantasy all-star. And look, now in December, if you have a player like that in your lineup heading in to when you need to make a push for the playoffs and then heading into that playoff and championship schedule, that is a money difference maker. Oh, an absolute boost, too. Uh, you, you look at his numbers the last couple of years in year two and three of his NHL career, identical 61-point feats. Uh, his plus-minus is always going to be incredible, as you mentioned, playing with Austin Matthews. I think the one person who doesn't want to see this signing is Nathan Kadri. I know he's on the top PP unit, but I'm telling you right now, if, if Nylander is back, I think Kadri gets bumped to, to line two. And I think he's honestly just scratching the surface still. He had 20 goals last year, 22 in year number two. And I still feel like he's a guy who can get to 25 or 30, especially when you play um, uh, with a guy of the ilk of Austin Matthews. And I think that, you know, the important thing to note here, guys, too, is it's not a scenario where the head coach isn't a fan of the player. Mike Babcock has been glowing about this player all season long, especially maybe it's bargaining tactics in the last week and a half as we get closer and closer here to the deadline. So I think that's also another positive for the fantasy file named William Nylander is the fact that he's not going to be in Mike Babcock's doghouse if eventually he signs this contract with the Maple Leafs and plays. Uh, the coach is a big fan, and that could go a long way in, in utilization in fantasy hockey. It could. I could see Babs getting him right in there. And, and, and for a while I was concerned that he might sort of put him on that third or fourth line to, to kind of ease him back in. But I think they're at the point now, we all are at the point, where we just want to see this end, get him back in the lineup, and get this thing going. Now, before we move on, the big question is, for William Nylander, we've seen in fantasy football what happened with Le'Veon Bell. It didn't work out. People traded for him, hoping he would come back. He's sitting out the season. 
Nick, are you trading for William Nylander today ahead of this December 1st deadline and taking the risk uh, on William Nylander? I think it's a pretty calculated risk, guys. Um, you know, I've been saying for quite some time, it doesn't benefit anybody for this guy to sit out an entire season. Does it truly? Um, I mean, I, I think when push comes to shove, the agent and the player will get together and say, hey, do you want to play hockey this year? I know his answer. It's going to be yes. And I think if they have to, they'll sign a one-year deal and revisit this next summer. You can't let it drag out. Um, I think this this year means way too much to Willie Nylander and also the Toronto Maple Leafs to, to let this uh, you know off the off the hinges, so to speak, and extended uh, for the season. I I just don't see a scenario. So I would I, I would trade for Nylander right now. It's very calculated, of course. Um, I I think it's fair in bringing up that this guy has in that training camp, and it might take him a bit of time to get up to snuff, but. I can't overlook too the amount of talent on that Maple Leafs roster. That the points it's point season all the time when these guys play. Saw Matthews return the other night. John Tavares, Mitch Marner. The list goes on and on. Morgan Riley in the back end. I still think Jake Gardner's a guy who's going to start to produce in a contract year. It really is an embarrassment of riches offensively. So I honestly feel like if Nylander returns, and I think that will happen. Uh, his point production will probably stay pretty much the same. I'm with you on Gardner there. I feel the same way over the full course of the season. But I know you get a lot of Toronto talk up there as it is. So let's look at another team that's really reemerged on the fantasy landscape. The Vegas Golden Knights are second in goals four since November 14th, only behind the Colorado Avalanche. And when you look at their roster from a fantasy lens, Marc-Andre Fleury's racking up the W's. Max Pacioretty is on a tear. Alex Tuck's playing well. Riley Smith, who went undrafted in some leagues, is now close to a point-per-game player. And then their two defensemen, Colin Miller and Shea Theodore, are both fantasy-relevant. Do you have any Golden Knights on your squad, and are you reaping the rewards? I am, and I was the biggest advocate of Max Pacioretty. I thought it was a perfect fit going to the Vegas Golden Knights, and I was losing my hair almost at a point um, in the first month and a half. I understand he was banged up, then he loses Paul Stadney, then Eric Holla leaves the lineup, and I'm like, oh, it's just going to be a, a turmoil-infested uh, season for Max Pacioretty. Well, he's uh, certainly flipped the script. They're outscoring that top line right now. I'm talking about Tuck Eakin and Max Pacioretty, who, ha- who now has eight goals in the last seven games. And we all know about the most prolific scorers in the league. Just ask Patrick Laine, who has a billion goals. He scored 18 in November. I still can't get over that, um, that they're so streaky. And Pacioretty, uh, riding the hot wave right now, he's really, really impressed me. But I've been more impressed with Alex Tuck. And I'm one of those people out there, when they signed the contract for Alex Tuck, I said, what has this guy really done in the NHL to warrant a contract of that term, well, he's making me look like an idiot. Won't be the first time, won't be the last time. He's shelled perfectly with Max Pacioretty on the second line. Um, and there'll be even more of a, a competent force, I think, when Paul Stasny returns and Cody Eakin slides back into the three-hole. I honestly feel like Vegas is for real. I said that the start this season, Marc-Andre Fleury looks way more confident. I think the power play can only get better. I don't think it's any coincidence at all, by the way, that Nate Schmidt returns to the lineup and this team starts to win hockey games. So I always see, I always like to chuckle, uh, chuckle excuse me, with Pete because I remember when we were doing our prognostications going into last season, I legitimately asked him a question on my show saying, does Vegas have one guy in the top 150? Well, they have like 10 of them, and they're legitimate guys. I think the guy that maybe we were talking about in that segment was Marc-Andre Fleury, and all of a sudden after a really slow start, 
Uh, he has the league lead in shutouts. He's moved up in our goalie rankings to number three. And there's a gap between number three and the first two. The first two, obviously, are Pekka Rinne and Frederick Anderson, who have been unbelievable from a fantasy standpoint. But Marc-Andre Fleury has benefited, certainly, from that uh, re-addition of Nate Schmidt back from the suspension. So that's a great point there. Who do you trust more, uh, Colin Miller or Shea Theodore on their blue line? Because I know it's kind of been mix and match on the first power play over the past two years since the Golden Knights uh, expansion edition. But uh, do you trust one of these guys more than the other? Theodore always, to me, is kind of that higher upside look. Yeah, you always want to think about the longevity of the deployment. And certainly the, the bigger brand name here is Shea Theodore. I think you really can't overlook for sure what Miller has brought to the table. It's hard to forget, guys, that around expansion time when they claimed him uh, from the Boston Bruins, there's a lot of talk, actually, that Colin Miller was going to end up in Toronto. And uh, luckily, George McPhee didn't pull um, through on that deal, and he stays at Golden Knight because I think he's one of the more undervalued, not only fantasy defensemen, but defensemen in general in the NHL. I'm siding with you. I'm going to go with Shea Theodore. I think eventually he will take the reins uh, long-term on the back end, especially on PP1. Uh, three goals, nine assists, 12 points, a plus seven players so far to start this season. Just two power play points, uh, three less right now, as you mentioned, by you know from Colin Miller. But I think we do forget it's a long season. Again, Paul Stasny has a lineup. So in general, I think Vegas's power play has uh, hasn't been great. Um, I know the numbers haven't looked good either. So I I expect that to improve. And you know, to add to your point on Mark Andre Fleury, uh, it, it really helps certainly when you're getting the run support the way he has. So far in his short career in Vegas, that has to feel good for starting that minor. I'm just going to pose the idea that either Colin Miller or Shea Theodore would be a must-trade target for me because I think production-wise, they're going to keep flip-flopping all season long, just like they did last year. It seems like that power play spot is up for grabs at any given game. So I would say either one of those is a great way to buy into the Max Pacioretty's Alex Tucks because look at it this way. Nobody would be trading them right now. You'd be out of your mind. But let's turn it to maybe biggest surprise so far this season because I've seen, and, and I drafted, I have a, it's hilarious. On one team, uh, I'm in first place right now. I've got Timo Meyer, Jeff Skinner, uh, Jonathan Marcheseau, all on one roster. I have, do I have Shabbat in that league too? But anyway, I'm just loaded with all these guys. They're all coincidentally in the conversation for biggest surprise. Who stands out the most to you? Another guy I'll throw to the table too is uh, Max Domi. He comes over from Arizona, the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I was high on him coming into the season. I do feel like that, in retrospect, that Arizona-Montreal deal, I think we'll benefit both teams. Galchenyuk, the number one center now with the Coyotes, with Schmaltz and Keller. Max Domi um, and Jonathan Drouin have found a lot of consistency and chemistry so far. They're both speedy. So I'd certainly, so, certainly throw Domi and Drouin into that conversation. Uh, Thomas Shabbat, I think he could have maybe forecasted a bit that this was to come. But the one name I want to throw out there is Ryan O'Reilly. Um, I think not normally known as a, you know, a fantasy stud. Uh, I think he's always been known as one of the more well-rounded two-way centers in the NHL. But he has been the lone bright spot, I would say, for the St. Louis Blues. And the fact that he's moved back into the conversation of maybe top 60 fantasy players right now, I've been really, really impressed with Ryan O'Reilly. Especially, guys, we talk about it all the time in drafts every year, the depth that can be found late in fantasy drafts. You're smiling ear to ear right now. If you, you selected a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, we'll say in the 130 to 170 range, he's been incredible. And another guy I noticed slipped a lot in drafts was Cam Atkinson. I know in one of my leagues I wanted to grab him, but I already had like three Columbus Blue Jackets, and I'm like, I can't make it all Columbus because then if they get shut down and, and shut out, I'm going to lose a matchup just based on that. But 
I think he deserves a lot of credit among other guys. I love these stories every time of year, by the way. They're great to see these guys come from nowhere. I left Sean Couture last year. Cam Atkinson and Pierre-Luc Dubois have been amazing, and they came into the season with some contract uncertainty for Artemi Panarin, but that's been one of the better top lines in the league uh, over the past month of the season. And Carter Hutton is another guy that has achieved great returns based on average draft position. He was available outside the top 125. We all pegged him as a sleeper, but he was—he still carried that concern of whether or not he would actually get it done in the tough Atlantic division, and he certainly has to this point for Buffalo, who went down fighting uh, at their 10-game losing streak came to an end, Nick. But you can't say enough about the fight in this team. I drafted Carter Hutton in my in my media work league, and you know I'm reaping the benefits now. I, I just wonder, and I'll throw this back to you guys. This is clearly not sustainable for the Buffalo Sabers, and I think if you're an outside person looking in, I think what we want to see is this team recover after actually losing a hockey game. Their first loss since November 4th. I think normally when we see this in the NHL, the team goes in a bit of a rut. I think that's the important part for Buffalo. But that being said, I. You know, I've been endorsing the last little while my own fantasy musings, maybe trying to sell high on some Buffalo Sabres, notwithstanding Jeff Skinner. I think he's going to go off and score 40 goals this season. It's a contract year. But certainly a guy like Carter Hutton, I think we saw full force Thursday night. This team isn't great defensively. I think they've been masked a lot by the goal scoring. I think you can't overlook, you know, the numbers of Carter Hutton so far. Don't get me wrong. You know, eight wins, 2.38, and 9.23 save percentages is well above league average. But these guys are going to come back and regress this thing a bit. And I think if, if you have a chance to really sell high on a Carter Hutton, I know one of my leagues I was offered, offered Andre Kopitar, who I'm a big advocate of, one-for-one for Carter Hutton. Um, I, I wanted to pull the trigger, but the league was against me in doing so, so I didn't. But I, I think that's your classic case of a, a sell high. I don't, I don't envision this continuing for Hutton. I think he will level off. I think we do forget, too, guys, he's – He's never been a number one goalie in his career, so it's fair to temper expectations. That being said, I have Linus Olmark in my DFS lineup tonight because I think it's a nice little bounce back game for them. Phil Housley's going to need to go into that room and say, look, if we are a legitimate contender, we are bouncing back from this this 11-game winning streak and winning tonight in, in Florida, no question about it. Olmark, and by the way, his numbers this season, he's playing at a 926 save percentage, so he's in a sample size, it is small, but he's outperforming Hutton to a degree. Maybe this becomes a little 1A, 1B situation. I'm going to go against the grain, and I think that this is sustainable with the caveat that Casey Middlestat needs to emerge as the rookie scorer that we thought he could be. If that production goes away from the top line and they are able to breathe at times throughout a game, I think this Buffalo team is going to surprise a lot of people. And when I look at them defensively, I see Jake McCabe out there making some great plays. I see Rasmus Stalin finding another gear game by game. He looks better, better, and better. And that trend's only going to continue. So I see them hanging around in the Atlantic, especially because Florida is a team that is so banged up, they don't stand a chance. Yeah, I think the Panthers, truthfully, are done already, guys. Luongo can't stay healthy. And I think you make great valid points on the Buffalo Sabres. I still wonder about their depth scoring. I still wonder if contractor Jason Pominville, who's been unbelievable this year, can keep this up. Um, I know he's been ripped off that top line again. They're trying to get Sam Reinhardt going. He gets two goals against Tampa. And that's a, so it's a, it's a really, really strong top line for the Buffalo Sabres. But I still wonder about the depth. I know Jake McCabe was banged up on Thursday, so we'll see if he's healthy enough to continue on here, at least in the short term. And I think you nailed it with Rasmus Dahlin. I really, really love what Buffalo and Phil Housley have done. Um, and the insulation, and I just hope people listening out there didn't jump the gun too early and drop 
Rasmus Dalim because I think it's only a sign of things to come offensively. I'm not going to say he's going to challenge Elias Pettersson or Brady Kachuk, your favorite Rob, for the, uh, the the Rookie of the Year award. But I think Dalene, when push comes to shove, he's going to prove why many feel he's still a generational talent on the back end and clearly a big reason why Buffalo conceivably right now is taking that next step. And uh, I, I think that they'll certainly contest for a playoff spot. I, I can't go out and say they're going to make the playoffs just yet, but I think you, you win 10 games in a row. I think there's a, a pretty decent shot, we'll say, of this team making the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, you mentioned Florida, that you don't like their buy-low appeal. Two teams that I think have serious buy-low appeal. Before we let you go, Nick, I want to get your pulse on the L.A. Kings and the Philadelphia Flyers. There are some guys that you could buy low on, certainly Jonathan Quick, Ilya Kovalchuk. I don't think his value could get any worse right now. He could potentially be traded. And then a potential free agent for the summer, Wayne Simmons for the Flyers. Do you like any of these guys from a fantasy standpoint, and would you trade for any of them from the Flyers or the Kings right now? Yeah, so I'm starting to write some stuff, and I'll add two on Florida um, as well. It's, it's not that I'm down on this team. I think they can score goals. I think Alexander Barkov's a guy I certainly would look at and say, hey, I want this guy. You know, there, there's, you know Keith Yandel's having a great year. I, I just think the one thing that deters me from picking Florida to make the playoffs this year is their goaltending. Luongo can't stay healthy. James Reimer can't make a save. I can't even name their third-string goaltender. It's, it's gone to that point. Um, as for Philadelphia and L.A., I'm with you. I see a lot of value, especially on the back end for Philadelphia. I would circle Ivan Provorov and Shane Goss. If there are two guys who had dreadful offensive starts to the season, eventually they'll get going, you have to think. Um, clearly, I wouldn't go anywhere near their goaltending situation, although Brian Elliott hasn't, hasn't been as advertised or as bad as advertised this season. He's another guy who just can't stay healthy. I think Jake Vorchek's a guy up front. You could probably find some decent value on a buy right now. And when it comes to L.A., I, I'm totally with you. I, I've watched this team a lot throughout this season. They're certainly not as bad as that start. Uh, and Jonathan Quick is an absolute gamer. I know they lost against Edmonton on Thursday in his return from a torn meniscus because I thought he was really good in that game. And he's constantly been one of the top fantasy hockey goalies for, we'll say, the last decade. So, I think you find value there. If there's one thing to note, too, L.A. plays a rather defensive brand, so expect some shutouts this season for Jonathan Quick. I don't know if they're going to come back and make the Stanley Cup playoffs, but certainly I think the window is closing in terms of fantasy pickups for uh, Ananjay Kopitar. Dustin Brown's been a man of power the last couple weeks as well, the way he's been providing offense. Jeff Skinner, who knows if he's truly healthy. Um, Ilya Kovalchuk, I'm with you on that front. Um, I would wait a couple more weeks before making a bold decision whether to drop him or not. And the other name I'll throw in there, too, to keep tabs on right now as I write about him is Gabe Velarde, uh, their 2017 first-rounder who they just sent down on a conditioning stint to the Ontario reign of the American Hockey League. Uh, talking to some people in Los Angeles, it's going to take this kid uh, a bit of time to get up the snuff, but don't be shocked, maybe come season's end, and he's potentially in a top-six role with this team. So I'm with you. Lots of value to be found uh, in Philadelphia and L.A. respectively. You're going to have to make room on that L.A. Kings train because I've been saying it too. Like, they're hanging in these games. And I think the most underrated factor now is Dustin Brown, who has goals in three straight games. It looks like he's healthy. He makes that top line tick. I don't care what you say about these sort of physical guys on the top line. They're all fantasy relevant this season in every single situation. So I think Dustin Brown's a big name. But on a personal note, I have Eric Carlson. Nick, in one of my leagues that I'm doing really well in. But on the blue line, I also have Ivan Provorov, Charlie McAvoy. So while these are high-end names, they're not putting up high-end numbers. What should I do with Eric Carlson? That's the 
million dollar question right now, and I'm totally with you. Um, when Carlson was picked up by San Jose, I catapulted him into my top 15 fantasy rankings. Uh, I got him after Brad Marchand in the second round of one of my leagues, and I was ecstatic through the moon. Um, I always chalk it up, you know, first and foremost, to only being one puck in San Jose. And Brent Burns has, has been acclimated to that system for a long, long time. He knows how to, you know, work it for the likes of Joe Pavelski, who's having an unbelievable contract season, by the way. Joe Thornton, Logan Couture. I know Timo Myers banged up right now, but as you mentioned earlier on, off to a really, really hot start also in a contract season. And the other thing I, I think it's important to note, and people forget, look at Max Pacioretty. It happens a lot to players who are dealt big-time names especially. I think it really is a culture change, especially when you spend an elongated amount of time in your career given to one organization, the charities, everything that goes involved. You were the captain of the Ottawa Senators. Same goes for Pacioretty with the Montreal Canadiens. I think eventually it'll start to catch up to Carlson. He'll feel more comfortable in that lineup, and the points will come. So as, uh, as tough as it is to say right now, I think you just have to ride it out, especially if your team is doing well in your fantasy standings right now. There's no use in selling low on a guy you probably took, we'll say, in the top 20, 25 in Eric Carlson. So right now it would sit tight. I know patience is difficult in fantasy hockey, um, but I, you're, you're not going to get fair value. You're going to be disgusted by the value you are – um, you know, approach with uh, on the on the trade market right now. So to answer your question, maybe not the best answer, but I think I'm I'm holding on to Carlson right now because I don't think I'm getting a an offer deemed good enough to make the trade. You're only holding on to him because you're going to tweet out the revenge game on Saturday when he goes back to Ottawa. I cannot wait for that, guys. I don't know if you saw the other day that the first question in the media scrum following another loss to San Jose in Toronto was about his return to Ottawa, and he just steps away from the captain or from the from the camera. What what a gamer that Carlson is, eh? <laughs> well, Eric Carlson, we're excited for his return uh, to Ottawa. And I would also, for the San Jose Sharks, I would hold on to Martin Jones. And maybe if you have that tandem, I have some faith in this team overall heading into the playoffs. I think if they get their stuff in order at the right time of year, they'll be as dangerous as anybody in the league. But Nick, we really want to thank you so much for coming on to NHL Fantasy on Ice. Everybody out there, he's a great fantasy hockey mind, one of the best in the business, and you can follow him on Twitter, at the Golden Muzzy. Listen to him on SiriusXM. And Nick, keep up the great work. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, Nick. Guys, uh, great to take the virginity once again, and congratulations on the new podcast and all your hard work at NHL.com. It is not going unnoticed. Fantastic, and uh, thanks so much for having me. Anytime, man. Once again, Nick Alberga, thanks so much for joining us. Nick had some great input on the William Nylander situation and also the Buffalo Sabres. We both like them to make the playoffs at this point, uh, but he had some against-the-grain appeal. I think that the Toronto media is a little bit too hard on Buffalo, and I think it may be because they're in the same division and they don't want another young team to emerge on the same talent level. I'm just throwing that out there as a possibility. But speaking of the Sabres, let's look at the slate. They've got a really interesting matchup on Friday against the Panthers. I already teased who I like in that game. I like Linus Allmark, the goaltender. He's 5-0-1 this season. He's only lost in regulation. So I have a good feeling that they're in a nice resurgence spot. And like I said, I've been a fan of this Sabres team. I think they're trending up. And hey, they lost against the Lightning, but it was a one-goal game, Pete. They could easily still be on that win streak. To me, the Sabres have great appeal in this game. I have Ristolainen as my defenseman of the night. I like what he's bringing in terms of points lately. And also, even if he doesn't get a point, he covers stat categories like shots on goal and block shots, which is great for him priced sub $5,000 in FanDuel. 
Uh, Buffalo is on the second of a back-to-back, but Sam Reinhart, keep an eye on him. He has not only emerged and been scoring lately, but he has stuck on that top line. Great place to be with Eichel and Skinner. His price is attractive, too. But for my wing, I'm going to go Tom Wilson. There's not much to say about Tom Wilson right now. His name is so heavily talked about. But his price is really attractive in a lineup. $5,200, you get access to Ovechkin. Nicholas Backstrom is emerging as the number one guy there over Kuznetsov, who will return against the Devils. So nice little trend there for the Caps. Yeah, it sounds like Kuznetsov's likely, which is a great storyline. I think that positively affects Jacob Vrana, who's been playing really well lately. I have him as my wing of the night. He's even a little cheaper than Tom Wilson, and he's going to be playing as the projected lines have came out yesterday uh, with Evgeny Kuznetsov on the second line so that's a storyline to watch out for there in terms of the devils not too many guys that i'm looking at but i know you had a note on jesper brat yeah he's actually in my lineup for saturday i'll just get that out of the way now i think he makes that top line really fine another gear make me a little bit faster a little bit more dynamic than palmary was playing there so i like jesper brat just to cue into those guys to get that exposure and his price lately has been in the three thousand dollar range For a first-line player, you cannot find that in a slate. And Kyle Palmieri was a guy earlier in the season that we told you to sell high on, and he's come back down to earth slowly but surely. Just to note on him, Ducks at Hurricanes. Curtis McElhaney is one of the hottest goalies in the league right now. Is this guy for real, or are you kind of tempering your expectations? Because they did waive Scott Darling, so that clears up the situation a little bit. Um, My expectations have definitely tapered off for Curtis McElhaney. I love the storyline. I love that Dave Satriano, the goalie master, came on this show and sung his praises. I love all that. But this Carolina team is way too up and down for me. Their defense situation is just, they have so much talent there. It's all over the map. I'm actually going to go on the flip side of this game with the Ducks. I like that they won two hard games in Florida. Everybody was against them. They were trending down. They're trending back up. And I'm looking at their blue line. Brandon Montour has emerged since Cam Fowler was out with the facial injury. Now Brandon Montour is getting in there and getting those points. And his price, Pete, I'm really, really attracted to it. $4,300, and he's got six points in his past six games with 11 shots on goal. And if you need a bonus, five blocks too. And the Ducks have been great on the secondary scoring front with their second line of Nick Ritchie, who covers hits. If you're in a deep season long league, take a look at him. He's been scoring nearly at a point-per-game pace and has more than two hits per game. Uh, He's only played about 12 or 13 games on the season, so keep an eye out on him. Adam Henrique and Andre Kasha, I think you should stack these two on the road against the Hurricanes. I know the Hurricanes have been a formidable home team, but I just like the mentality of this Ducks team, how they're starting to surge in a positive light uh, after a really slow start to the season. Listener question, who do you like better right now? This is from S. Delock on Twitter. We see you. Thanks for the question. Who do you like better the rest of the way, Jimmy Howard or McElhaney? I like Howard only because I know he's the number one goalie there. I think McElhaney's lease is going to be a little short. I know they sent Scott Darling down to the minors, but with Peter Mrazek healthy now, he's going to challenge for starts there, and I think that's going to be a split situation. I agree. I'm not crazy about the goalie situation in Carolina. Jimmy Howard also, I believe, is in a contract year, uh, so keep an eye out on him. If the Red Wings really fall out of this, which we expect they will, uh, he could be traded at the deadline most certainly. Blues at Avalanche, this top line keeps rolling. We talked a little bit about Miko Rantanen, but one note, six straight multi-point games and multi-point games in eight of his past nine. He's at the top of the league scoring board, and he's approaching two points per game territory, which is just unheard of 
at this point in the season, 25, 30 games in. So got to tip your cap to him. And then Sam Girard's getting a little splash of this thing with Tyson Barry out. Sam Girard is a great waiver wire pickup. He's only 7% owned. Two points in his past two games, really, or three, excuse me, three points in his past two games, and he's playing on that top power play spot where you get the exposure to the first, third, and fourth ranked player in fantasy hockey. To me in this game, though, Craig Berube, the coach of the St. Louis Blues, came out to the media and said that we need to start winning and it's happening tonight. I'm not buying that. I'm actually going to buy in on Colorado's second line and get the value play with Carl Soderberg. He's been a favorite pick of mine in the past. He's playing well, four points in his past five games. And when I was looking at this late this morning, I had a lot of trouble finding center value. Well, for $4,300, you get some good exposure there. You get a good even strength team and an even better team on the power play. And hey, they've righted the ship uh, this season in terms of depth scoring. So I like it. And one last game for Friday before we list out our picks. Kings at Flames. We went in depth on the Kings already. A couple of notes on the Flames. They have three guys better than a point per game in Gaudreau, Monaghan, and Kachuk. They also have Mark Giordano and Elias Lindholm close to that realm with 24 and 25. So those are lineup locks if you can fit them in and spend up. Uh, especially against the Kings who will be on the second of a back-to-back. And then one guy I like is Mike Smith. He's only played once in the past couple of weeks or so, but with David Riddick floundering a little bit, I think that his price point is good, and I think he's going to win the game at home against the Kings. I'm actually fading both of those teams. I think for the same reason you're picking Mike Smith. I know that L.A. is desperate for some wins right now. I think they're going to play a hard road game. They they lost against Edmonton last night, so I think they're going to come out hot. Hopefully Mike Smith can step up and reclaim that number one job, but I have a bad feeling we're going to be talking about him and Riddick for the rest of the season. If you're listening to this during your commute home on Friday, uh, here are our picks for Friday night games. I mentioned the Henry Kasha stack I like. I like Jacob Rana for 4,100 in FanDuel, playing with Kuznetsov. I like Rasmus Ristolainen, some of the offensive flair he's shown recently, and the Sabres have bounced back appeal after their streak came to an end against Florida, and James Reimer, who's confirmed he's been brutal this season. So go with Ristolainen for the cheap price, 4700 And then Mike Smith at home against the Kings. He's only played once in the past two weeks, and in that game, 28 saves on 29 shots faced. Another contract year guy, maybe that's lit a fire under Mike Smith, and he starts to revert back to the Mike Smith that we knew from last year when he was healthy and from earlier in his career. The Ristolainen pick is the one that stands out as a must play for me tonight. That price point for a premier defenseman with five points in the past six, really solid, but it's his shots and blocks that always puts him in those DFS contests. Even if he's not on the board, he's still getting around five to 10 fantasy points just from those shots and blocks. So Ristolainen is a definite target for me. For my lineup, just to recap here, I have Carl Soderberg, $4,300 for my value center. For my wing, Tom Wilson, what else is there to say? He has double-digit fantasy points in every single game this season besides one. That's a lineup lock at this point now. Brandon Montour, defenseman for the Anaheim Ducks, $4,300. I said six points in six games. You can't beat that. And then goalie, minus Allmark for $7,600. For a goalie that has yet to lose in regulation, I would consider that value. It is a little bit risky, but I'm trying to break the slate and stack those top-end guys, the Miko Rantanens, the Gabriel Landeskog, the Nathan McKinnon, and even Ovechkin Backstrom, potentially, if you spend down for a goalie. It's hard, usually, to find goalies in the mid-$7,000 range, but I think between Smith and Allmark, there's great value on this slate if you're going to play DFS on Friday night. 
Also, Tom Wilson, we got to give him a shout out. Top 100 overall, Tom Wilson. We just added him earlier in the week, in addition to Alex Tuck and some of the other hot players around the league. Both of those guys among our top 100 forwards, which you can find that list on NHL.com slash fantasy as always. Top 100, Tommy. I love it. Let's look at the Saturday slate now. Let's turn our focus to Eric Carlson's return in Ottawa. We know we talked about it with Nick on the show. A little bit of an awkward situation from the media there. From a fantasy Lance, I'm looking at a couple trends in this game. Number one thing that sticks out to me, San Jose's road record. 4-6-3 and three on the road for an elite team like San Jose. Mm, what do you think about that? I think if this season has taught us anything, you should put some stock in the Ottawa Senators, not only based on the way they're playing lately, win or lose, but because of the motivation factor facing a guy that wanted to leave them it was in a contract year it was kind of an ugly ending and they've bounced back from that really admirably so Brady Kachuk I told people to stack Brady Kachuk and Thomas Shabbat the other night I know you had uh, Brady Kachuk as well in your DFS lineup for Thursday he's been close to a point per game on the season really reliable still for a decent price and with Kachuk you get sort of the same effect as Ristolainen has even though Kachuk is a left wing he's still shooting in bunches and he blocks shots too so you really get that little bonus even if he doesn't get on the scoreboard and the Sharks have shown some signs of life offensively so I wouldn't even after a shutout I would not roster Craig Anderson in this game a little too risky for me and obviously the Sharks goalies have been in the tank lately but Timo Meyer, another injury note we don't know if he's going to play in the game that's unfortunate because he was the right wing steal of the year for fantasy if the Sharks do have appeal in this game I'd be looking at Joe Pavelski and Eric Carlson as Nick says in that revenge spot it's not really revenge but I think he's going to get up and play that game I know we saw him in that Buffalo game he got beat on that Jeff Skinner OT winner I think Eric Carlson this could light the fire for him I'm targeting this game as a nice resurgence spot now, another that's a return to his former team. This is a potential return to the lineup. Ben Bishop could start on Saturday at the Vancouver Canucks. The Canucks, I mean, Besser is back, so that's a great sign. Alexander Edler has been productive as well. He's a guy I know that you really like for the rest of the season value. And then Elias Pettersson, uh, just unbelievable assist on that goal by Brock Besser on Thursday night. I like the Canucks as underdogs in this game. I was high on the Canucks in the preseason. The only reason why they started to slip was because they really missed Brock Besser. Louis Erickson couldn't keep up with the trend. Jake Furtanen couldn't keep up with the trend. Brock Besser ripped that goal last night. He's confident. I think Saturday is a good spot for him at home. They're going to want to put on a show. Instead, to get exposure to those guys to spend down for, I'm going Alexander Edler on their blue line, who is in the low 4,000s for defensemen. He's got two points in three games since returning from an injury. He's quarterback in that power play that has Besser, that has Pedersen, that has Horvat. You cannot beat that value. Now, Austin Matthews is back as we move forward to the Toronto Maple Leafs at the Minnesota Wild. Huge impact in his first game back two goals one assist five shots and he was clicking like clockwork on that first power play unit with Tavares and Kadri these bang bang goal that's a, that's probably the best unit in the league and they had a great performance in Matthews return this matchup would be a dynamite Stanley Cup final with how good Minnesota's defense is and how good Toronto's offense is I love this from a fantasy standpoint because if you're looking at Matt Dumba who I target almost night in and night out at this point He's going to have to worry about shutting these guys down. His offense might lack. So maybe return to Minnesota's forwards here is a little bit of a value play. Like, I know Zach Parisi. We have a listener question here from Cost Talk. He said, just got offered Arvidsson for my Parisi. Do I take it? Mm. 
See, this one to me, Parisi is playing really well this season. The reason why I say almost do this deal in a way is because it happens every year. Unfortunately, Parisi gets injured. Do you have a pulse on if he, if this is the year he, he stays in the lineup? Parisi does it every single game. It's hard to just write him off completely because of that injury history, though it is a concern. One note in this question, he was saying putting Arvidsson on the shelf for now allows him to activate Shea Weber. If, a, if you're in a case like that, and that kind of answers the question for you in addition to the uh, concerns about Parise long-term. So I would probably do that trade uh, just because of that added factor there. One other note on the Toronto Maple Leafs, Andreas Janssen, 3% owned. He took Patrick Marlowe's spot on the line with Austin Matthews and Kasperi Kapanen. So in terms of short-term streaming options, especially as we go deeper into the top 200 mix near the end of the list, Kapanen and Janssen, uh, great options on the waiver wire. Good short-term streaming there. A game with different fantasy appeal is the Red Wings at the Bruins. Kind of an interesting matchup because the Red Wings have corrected their slow start. They're competitive now. Now, on the flip side, the Bruins, who are banged up, Patrice Bergeron's out. They've got Colby Cave playing on the top line between David Pasternak and, and Brad Marchand. Is that, is that a remote value play just because of the exposure? Maybe if he's really cheap on the slate. Uh, that said, they... They worked in uh, Jacob Forsbacka Carlson earlier. I still think they're eventually going to give Ryan Donato a chance in the top six. They just recalled him the other day. He had the shootout winner against the Islanders on Thursday night. So keep an eye on if that sparks him because he was really productive for the Bruins down the stretch. If I'm looking at any of these prospect type guys, minor leaguer type guys that they're giving a shot, I would go Ryan Donato. Colby Cave has played the past few years for Providence in the AHL. I don't really take him too seriously just yet. Rangers at Canadians. This is an interesting game of two teams trending in the wrong direction. I don't like the Rangers top line right now at all. I do like the appeal of Carey Price. We mentioned all those buy low goalies. I think Carey Price deserves to be mentioned in that conversation as well, especially with Shea Weber back from injury. I think over time and probably starting in this game, the Habs will win this game to snap their losing streak and then might start to trend in a positive direction. Hey, I had Carey Price in my lineup last weekend on this podcast. And when you're wrong in Montreal, you're wrong in two different languages. You're dumb in two different languages. So <laughs> I can I got to stay away from that. The Canadians are 3-4-3 three, three in their past 10 it looks like we're starting to see who we thought they really were. And same thing with the Rangers. We live and work in Manhattan, but I hate to break it to everybody. There's not a lot of fantasy appeal here. I just Matt Zuccarello is the engine that keeps that team going. With him out of the lineup, he's really banged up this year. There's not a whole lot of appeal. It's a long season for Henrik Lundqvist to do what he's doing. I would think the odds are against him for sure with a shaky defense in front of him. A lot of those guys not playing well. Even Pionk defensively, uh, Mark Stahl defensively, Kevin Shattenkirk got benched in the previous game. So we don't like their staying power in the midst of their current losing streak. One fan question regarding Jeff Petrie. Would you drop him right now after Shea Weber's return? This is from Patrick Hattoni on Twitter. We thank you for the question. Uh, possible replacements out there. Jake Gardner, who's in a slump but a contract year. Jared Spurgeon, Ezra Lindell. Uh, Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson, who I know has points in a couple straight games. The more I think about this question, the more I say yes for almost anybody on that replacement list. The reason why is because I do a weekly feature called Team Power Rankings from a fantasy angle. These power rankings determine which team you should be targeting in trades, waiver wire claims, etc. Toronto Maple Leafs, 
one of the best teams in, in fantasy hockey. Minnesota Wild, one of the best and sneakiest teams in fantasy hockey. Dallas Stars, same thing, bordering top 10. And then Anaheim Ducks with Lindholm and Manson. They're both trending up a little. I think Lindholm's still injured, and Manson now has emerged as maybe a point getter. So I'm tempted to say if any of those guys are still available, I'd probably do it. I agree. I would go Gardner with that question. And he did give us a shout-out and said, absolutely loving the podcast, by the way. We always appreciate your reviews. Drop us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thanks so much for the question. Lightning at Panthers, this is that potential high-scoring game. These teams play each other all the time, always exciting games. We'll see if Luongo returns. We mentioned Reimers confirmed for Friday, so Luongo could return on Saturday for this game against the Lightning. The Lightning have switched up their lines recently, and Andre Pallad is back. And we have a listener question from at Rick009. Is Andre Pallad a must-own in Yahoo League's? For you, Rob. He is a must-own, and anybody in that Tampa top six is a must-own at this point in all Yahoo leagues. And yes, the old saying, how many cooks can be in the kitchen at once? Well, Tampa Bay has the luxury of having a big kitchen, so I think there's a lot to go around there. The one trend I am a little concerned about on their back end, Ryan McDonough took a pretty nasty hit from Jack Eichel. I mean, good on Jack Eichel for playing physical now and kind of throwing some of that back, but Ryan McDonough, that he was playing really well for them. He was in a lot of DFS lineups the past couple weeks, so maybe look at Mikhail Sergachev to refine that rookie spark he had last season. So, But to answer the listener's question, yes, Palazzo must own. Let's look at a game, though, I had Jesper Brad in. I already teased it earlier. Jets at Devils. We saw it the other night. Nikolai Ehlers finally broke through sorry to anybody that dropped him but this is just the way it goes you had to you basically had to drop him and we dropped him out of the top 100 forward list he's probably going to be back next week uh still with that exposure to wheeler and shifley one note for the jets dustin bufflin's injured so josh morris he played almost 29 minutes on thursday night against the blackhawks he was plus three in the game for as long as bufflin is out similar thing to sam gerrard and tyson barry with the avalanche for as long as Bufflin's out. Uh, Josh Morrissey is worth your while on the waiver wire. Patrick Line keeping it up for them. For the Flyers, Penguins, this is a, I think the Penguins have to win this game. Uh, everything's pointing to them winning this game. I'm taking Casey DeSmith as my goalie of the night. He has a chance to overtake Matt Murray when he comes back and for right now is the clear number one for this team. Very productive against tough competition over his past three games. To play devil's advocate, this is the only game where Philadelphia can really get up for now with as much sort of turmoil that's going on in their front office around the locker room this is the game for them where they could as players come together and say we need to rally we need to beat Pittsburgh on their home ice but I don't mind that his Smith pick at all he's playing well enough that he really is asserting himself as the number one goalie and then look at Pittsburgh's offense and defense I have Chris Letang in a league and I'm raping the rewards because Malkin Crosby everybody's scoring every night Win or lose, they're all scoring. couple waiver wire notes before we get to our picks. Nick Schmaltz is playing on a line with Alex Galchenyuk and Clayton Keller. He had a goal and an assist with a power play point. He's been playing 17, 18 minutes a game over his first two games, averaging close to three power play minutes of ice time per game. So keep an eye on him. Aiden Hill had that shutout at Nashville. We kind of didn't take him seriously in that game, and he put forth a great performance. So keep an eye on him with Antti Ranta out in the short term. 
There's also a couple of notes. Valentin Zikov was waived by the Carolina Hurricanes, picked up by the Edmonton Oilers. So that gives him appeal and gives Nugent Hopkins some appeal if he plays on line with him. And of course, if he's stacked on the left wing with McDavid and Drysaddle, gives them another option to give a go at. Nugent Hopkins is actually in my Saturday lineup. He has five points in his past five games with 13 shots. And I was worried about Nugent Hopkins maybe trending down after the Hitchcock coaching change. It seems to be reversal. He seems to be trending up because he's found some depth scoring there. Oscar Clefbaum is reaping the same rewards for that Oilers team. So that's a trend I'm looking at Saturday and feeling pretty confident about. And Miko Koskinen is the guy right now. We put him in. We've been writing about him all week. He has beaten out Cam Talbot. That's clearly a timeshare, if not him as the starter for the rest of the season. He's played much more than Cam Talbot to this point since the coaching change of Ken Hitchcock replacing Todd McClellan. Now let's get to our picks here. We talked about some of these hot teams around the league. I'm stacking on Saturday Alex Galchenyuk and Nick Schmaltz. I love that top line first power play unit uh, against St. Louis, who's on the second of a back-to-back. Mentioned the big game from Schmaltz. Josh Morrissey uh, gets that first power play exposure to Patrick Laine, Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, and Kyle Connor in the absence of Dustin Bufflin, so give a look to him. And then Casey DeSmith, past three games, 929 save percentage against tough competition, but specifically against Dallas, Columbus, and Winnipeg, all top-tier offenses, and he's gotten the job done, so I really like him in this game against the sinking Flyers. Morrissey was a defenseman that I had in the top 50 D ranks for about the three, I think the first three weeks of the regular season. Bufflin, now that he's battling injuries, you definitely have to turn to him and say, Morrissey is the guy to step up on that blue line. He's done it over Jacob Truba, over Tyler Myers, who is not fantasy relevant for the first time in his career this season. So I like that Josh Morrissey pick. I also feel strongly about that. For my lineup, I already said about Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I think that coaching change is a big impact for him. And I think this Zekov waiver claim could be the one that really puts him over the edge to play at around a point per game pace the rest of the season. I feel strongly about him in DFS as well. Jesper Bratt, I mentioned earlier, just that exposure to the top line. And I've said this on the show before, I have no problem in a DFS lens that New Jersey is a one-line team. No problem at all, as long as I've got the top line on the team. So get it in the $3,000 range with Bratt there. For my defenseman, Alexander Edler versus Dallas. Nine shots on goal in three games back. That's good to see him shooting the puck because that likely means that Brock Besser is standing, big body Brock Besser is standing in front of the net, tipping those pucks in. I like Edler at the price point that night. And then my goalie, originally I liked Miko Koskinen in that spot against Vegas, but the more that we talk about Vegas, you just cannot bet against them right now. Offensively, sure, that's why I'm taking Nugent Hopkins, but defensively, I worry just a little bit that they're going to be hard to contain. So I'm going to look at the Coyotes. I'm with you that Galchenyuk and Schmaltz are going to find some chemistry there. I look at either Aiden Hill or Auntie Ronta. Hopefully Ronta can get back in that lineup. He had two bad losses before he got injured. So that's a trend that I like to reverse on Saturday. And one more thing about Ronta. You mentioned it about his second half of the season last year. This whole Coyotes team in general, when they get down, they find a way to get back up. We saw it in October. And two goalies you just mentioned were actually in our last fan question from at Mr. D7 underscore D7. Drop Ronta for Koskinen? I would say no. no I would no, hold no, on no. Ronta. Yeah, definite no there. I mean, not, not even in the same league. I like Koskinen. I like the trend. I would have picked him up had he been available, but not for Auntie Ronta.
One other note on Valentin Zikov. Reminder, he led the AHL in goals last year, and if he debuts, look at his price point. If he's in the contest, he's another potential value pick, even a cheap stack with Nugent Hopkins. So I really like that lineup idea uh, for you, Rob. And then, yeah, Koskinen, even though we said Ranta over him, it's just great to see that he's emerged into that conversation. We don't know if he's going to stay there, but he's that's a great trend to be riding, and he's still out there in many leagues. He did what David Riddick should have done and solidified that number one job moving forward. So, hey, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, rate us on Stitcher, Audioboom, wherever you get your shows. And follow us on Twitter, Rob at NHL Reese, myself at NHL Jensen, and special thanks to our guest, Nick Alberga. You can follow him uh, from SiriusXM and Sportsnet on Twitter at The Golden Muzzy. So once again, for Rob Reese, Pete Jensen, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks so much for listening to NHL Fantasy on Ice.